morning, everyone. I'm, I'm Dallas. I'm the community pastor here. If you're, you're visiting with us this morning, it's great to have you here and great to have everyone together this morning. Heather and I uh, just got back from uh, earlier this week from two weeks vacation. And uh, thanks for the phone call last Sunday. It was good. I was uh, a little concerned. There was an emergency, like an earthquake or something. I don't know. I was like, Darcy, you're supposed to be preaching at that time. But uh, he was. So anyway, it was great to hear your voices of, uh, of greeting on the message. Um, and then I had a great, great time away. We, uh, we just enjoyed, we flew into Atlanta and, and uh, rented a car. And we drove throughout the, the southeastern states there and um, ended up driving just under a total of 5,000 kilometers. Uh, I mean, don't you love unlimited mileage when you rent a car? I just like, I want to take advantage of this as much as I can, you know? Uh, got home and, and, and calculated out and found out, you know, I actually, we actually drove further than it would be to drive from here to Atlanta in one way. You know, that's like, wow, we, we spent a lot of time. Uh, but, but we love it. One of the things... Um, that uh, when you drive that amount of distance, it means that you are in a closed, small, and confined space together with the other person for a long time. And um, just the two of us. And you, and you know, it could go one of two ways, couldn't it? It'll either pull you closer together or um, someone is going to get thrown out of the vehicle and possibly run over. Several times, maybe. You know, just depending, but... Um, I'm grateful to report that uh, I was driving, so Heather didn't throw me out, and uh, you know it wouldn't go well for her if she did that. But uh, and there was only once when um, I attempted unsuccessfully to throw her out the the window, and it was after she took some meaningless pictures in my intense search for a sign to take a picture of at Augusta National Golf Course. You realize there's no sign? There is no sign out there. I, I wanted a picture and so Heather took this and that's when I wanted to just throw her out the door. But um, actually, we, we, love, uh, we love doing that kind of a vacation and uh, just driving and exploring, seeing new sites, turning up the, the worship music and singing together. And it, and it really does uh, draw us closer together. As a couple, um, one of the cities we visited and I hadn't really planned on, on doing that was uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Anybody been to Fayetteville? All right, all three of you have. Oh, that's amazing, actually. Um, probably one of the things it's most known for is Fort Bragg, uh, which is right beside it. And, and Fort Bragg is a, a military, it's actually the largest military installation in the world by population. I think there's over like 50,000 people that live on, on that. But more importantly, it's home of the Airborne and Special Forces Op. Um, uh, Airborne and Special Operations Force. So in other words, this is where they, they train and develop. You know, you see movies of these guys parachuting behind them and enemy lines and, and going and doing these things in, in different countries. Um, it's pretty cool stuff. As a result, the city of Fayetteville actually has a museum dedicated to that in, in the town which we, which we went to see. Any time I think about or exposed to the military, one thing that I, I, I'm always fascinated with is the sense of camaraderie 
that develops between people who serve together in the military. Uh, especially you talk to World War II vets or whatever, and if they've fought together, there's just this incredible bond, this, this closeness that happens. It's the brotherhood of combat, they call it, or, or Shakespeare coined the term in, in Henry V. He's, he said, we band of brothers. And there's this band of brothers. And you know, as I, I read the accounts of the life of Jesus in, in the record, especially the first four books of the New Testament, I'm fascinated by this sense of brotherhood that, that developed between Jesus and his disciples. I mean, here you have these, these fishermen, you have this tax collector and, the, and these other guys, these other, and they, they've left everything to follow Jesus. And every indication is that, that they would have been together seemingly 24-7 for over, a little over three years. I mean, that's a lot of time to spend together. And there, there's a few glimpses into the reality that, that there were times of conflict and tension be, between them, of course. But, but generally, it seems like they have become this, this close band of brothers. I mean, after all these guys, they, they, they had a front row seat uh, to the ministry of Jesus. They, they watched him heal sick people. They watched him confront religious people. They, they, they watched him uh, cast out demons, perform miracles, and even raise the dead. I mean, they saw it firsthand. I mean, who wouldn't want to spend 24-7 with someone like that? It was exciting. It was amazing. But it wasn't going to last. And it came down to this last supper as they call it, the Passover supper in the upper room, the time that Jesus introduced the communion that we just honored earlier. Everything they had experienced as this band of brothers was, was about to be incredibly altered. And Jesus took significant time in giving them some final instructions. We're, we're in this series called uh, The Red Letters discovering the teachings of Jesus. And if you have a, a red letter Bible, the, the words of Jesus are in red. And the largest collection of red letters is actually found in the book of John. In fact, it's five chapters long, almost uh, a nonstop red letters. And most of those five chapters happen as Jesus and his disciples are sitting around this table and eating. It's these final instructions. There's, there's a lot of scenarios where, where final instructions are really important. Um, one of the military functions performed at Fort Bragg is um, that they test equipment for the airborne and the special operations. Now, they test everything, including things like parachutes. Now, I don't know anybody in their right mind who would want to test a parachute, right? Like, I can't think of a scenario where the guy testing it says afterwards, well, that didn't work out very well. You know, he doesn't have the opportunity to share that, I don't think. Has anybody parachuted? It, oh, there are a couple of you and you're not in your right mind, yeah? Now, I've never parachuted. Um, but I suspect that there's some important instructions that they remind you about just before you jump out the door. Like I would think, you know, don't forget to 
pull the cord, right? I, I just think there, there's some final, that are pretty important. And, and really, this is what's happening around the Passover table with Jesus and his disciples. They're, they're not about to parachute, but, but things are about to change. They're, they're gonna jump into a, 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 a complete shift and Jesus is giving them some final instructions. He says in, in, in John 13, verse 33, he tells them, dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. I mean, all this excitement is all of a sudden just coming to an end. It's like, what? And several times throughout these few chapters, Jesus tells them he's leaving. This band of brothers is gonna disband. It's gonna break up as they know it. And Jesus knows that there will be grief. He knows there'll be this separation anxiety. He knows there'll be sorrow. So he begins to lay out this, this game plan, the important stuff just before you jump. And Jesus reveals and begins to unpack an incredible truth. And this truth is, is found in, in John chapter 14. And if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to John chapter 14, that's where we're going to spend time this morning. Um, and verse 18 says this, uh, in the context of Jesus saying, you know what, I'm going to leave you. And then he says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. This verse has been so meaningful and, and, and powerful to me over the years. Jesus said several times that he's going to leave. And the band of brothers is breaking up. How can he come to them if he's heading the other direction? How is that possible? A few chapters later, Jesus puts it this way. He says, it's actually best for you that I go away because if I don't, the counselor won't come. The counselor. Well, who is this, this counselor? And who will be better than if Jesus hangs around himself? Again, in chapter 14, and, and there's, there's kind of these three verses, 15, 16, and 17, where Jesus gives us some really clear insight into who the counselor is. He says, he's another counselor. So there's not just one, there's, there's more than one. In other words, Jesus is saying, another counselor who is of like kind, just like Jesus. So the counselor is just like Jesus. And he'll come along and be exactly like Jesus. And Jesus says that this counselor will always be present, that he won't leave. That Jesus in his as, as, as a body, as, as, as a limited being, is leaving. But this counselor is exactly like Jesus, but he's not going to leave. And he has a name. His name is Holy Spirit. This name counselor is actually comes from this Greek word called paraclete. And and paraclete actually means coming alongside. And, and that's really 
Jesus is describing this, this counselor as someone who comes alongside to aid, to help. And he's also a teacher of truth. He, he, he will lead you into truth. Jesus says later, he'll teach you everything. He'll teach you everything, and he'll remind you about everything I've taught you. And then he dwells within them. He dwells within them. This is who the counselor is. This is, he's exactly like Jesus. He's always present. Name's Holy Spirit. He's, he's come alongside to help. He's a teacher of the truth and he dwells within them. Wow. Okay, I'm starting to get a picture. And this is actually the mystery that, that Jesus was revealing. This is his game plan. He had to leave. He had to go to the cross. He had to surrender his life. He had to give himself. He had to defeat sin and death so that his followers would become the very place where his presence in the person of the Holy Spirit would dwell permanently. That was the game plan. That was the mystery that the disciples could not understand, could not see. And that is why it's better if Jesus went away and the Holy Spirit comes. This is the promise that extends not only for that day, but down through the ages, down through the years, right to you and I this morning. And this is why this is such good news. This is why it is better, is because this promise is for you and I this morning. Because Holy Spirit is of another of the same kind, He's the very presence of Jesus. He's the very presence of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but, but really my mind gets blown when I, when I start to, to think about this. Jesus, Jesus promised that he will not abandon you as orphans. He will come to you. Well, how is he going to come to us? with his presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's how he's going to come to us. It's his presence. See, when Holy Spirit comes, Jesus explains further in verse 21. He says, I will reveal myself to each one of them. This reveal is actually appearing in person. Uh, exposing, manifesting himself. Now, don't get confused. It, it, Jesus isn't saying that he'll, he'll appear physically to everybody because he is a physical being. And sometimes he does that and he can do that. But he's saying he's going to reveal himself, his personhood, the essence of who he is, his very presence. He's going to reveal to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. How does Jesus reveal himself? You ever ask that question? How does Jesus reveal himself? Well, I just want to give you some, some quick examples. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but, but just a, a few examples of what, what I see. The first one is the Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture to us. And so when, when we read this book... This is just a book, it's, it's paper, it's got ink on it, it's got words that you and I understand, hopefully. But it's just a book. 
until Holy Spirit comes and illuminates, brings life to the words on this book. And Jesus reveals himself through, through the truth that is in this book. And every other way, and this is kind of the foundation, every other way that Jesus reveals himself must come into agreement with this book. Secondly, Jesus speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. He said earlier, he called himself the good shepherd, and he says, my sheep who are his followers, my sheep hear my voice. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can hear his voice. There's two things I see in that. Jesus speaks, number one, and we're able to hear him. So Jesus speaks, he reveals himself by speaking to us. And most common way is that uh, inner, still small voice on the inside that we hear in, in our minds, we hear inside of us, in our thoughts. Sometimes he speaks audibly. Uh, I know of, of several occasions, including my mom, who heard an audible voice once in her life. So it's, it's, it's pretty rare, but most commonly it's, it's that still small voice. Jesus reveals himself also indirectly. The Bible talks about visitation of angels, uh, bringing messages. Um, Jesus reveals himself a lot of times through nature. And there's an example in my, in my history of my family with my, a couple of my great-grandfathers experiencing an a intense, severe storm and that's when they began to see Jesus. Jesus revealed himself in that moment through the, through the power of that storm. Sometimes it's, it's physical signs and, and, and things that happen that are out of the ordinary that get our attention. And, and Jesus is revealing himself, the reality of who he is through those things. Jesus also reveals himself through other people. In preaching and, and, and teaching, Jesus wants to take the words that we hear Sunday after Sunday and, and reveal himself to us through those things. Uh, the Holy Spirit has gifts that he uses other through other people to speak to us. Gifts of, of uh, prophecy and, and words of knowledge, words of wisdom, interpretation of tongues, those gifts are gifts that Jesus uses to reveal himself to us. A couple of areas that maybe are a little different and, and maybe stretch some of us. He reveals himself through dreams. This way is, is actually quite common for, for me. Um, not that frequent, like once every month or so. But... It, it's, it's a way that, that Jesus reveals himself to me through my dreams. Um, it's happening actually a lot in, in, in Muslim countries. Um, I remember a few years ago hearing the occasion coming out of a Middle East, North Africa area where a Muslim man had become a, a recognized teacher of Islam. He was becoming an authority, a, a teacher in that area. He had known one Christian and he was very hostile towards that one man. 
Um, at one point, both him and his wife uh, ended up losing their job, their jobs, and and they began to run run out of food. And this man says that they were actually down to one very small bowl of of what they called macaroni. And as him and his wife sat down to eat this small bowl of macaroni, uh, they heard a knock on the door and in walks one of his wife's friends. And of course, it's custom, you come in and join us for our, our meal. So all of a sudden, there was three people around this very small bowl of macaroni. He says that he could actually count how many macaroni were in the bowl. There was that few. And so the three of them were beginning to talk and they began to eat and they continued to eat and they kept eating until they were all full. And at the end, there was the same amount of macaroni in the bowl as when they started. The husband said he thought his wife was pulling a trick on him and his wife said he thought she was, he was pulling a trick on her. Like, it was like, just, I don't understand. He says, he just didn't understand what was happening. He couldn't comprehend it. He didn't know what to think about it. He went to bed that night and uh, went to sleep. And he had a dream. And in that dream, Jesus appeared to him. And he says, if you give me your life and follow me, I will multiply your life the way I have multiplied the macaroni in that bowl. And that man woke up. And the next day he sought out this one Christian that he knew. And he gave his life to Jesus. And in the years following, God has multiplied this man. Many, many Muslims in that area have come to know Jesus through this man. Jesus reveals himself through dreams. He reveals himself through dreams. Another way that he reveals himself is through visions, a little different than dreams. For some people, visions are like, and I've never experienced this, but they're, they're like a movie screen that drops down in front of their vision and they watch this kind of, movie in front of them, even though it's, you know, they're still looking at other stuff, but it's like, comes in front of them. I've been experienced, probably more common is these, these pictures that form inside your mind, these, these pictures that are painted. And, and Jesus speaks to us, reveals himself through visions. My, my nephew, Dean uh, Davis, recently told of his first experience a few years ago with this, he was at a, a Christian business conference uh, um, and, and being taught about hearing God. And, and they were in this exercise of, of listening specifically f- to a question. And all of a sudden he had this image of uh, almonds in his hand. And he said that he was actually embarrassed about seeing almonds in his hand because he's like, this doesn't have anything to do with anything. Like, this isn't, this can't be it, you know? So he, he was just like, this is, this is just weird. He, he was embarrassed about it. And, and um, uh, until 
he went and asked prayer for, uh, from another uh, man who prayed for him. And this man didn't know anything about this vision of this almonds. And so this man's praying for him. And in the middle of the prayer, he switches and he says, he sees Dean's life and business blossoming like a hillside filled with almond trees. Isn't that amazing? And Dean says he, he recognized then for the first time, yeah, God reveals himself. Jesus revealed himself through visions. And then there's the area of past experiences or, or memories. And I remember one of the first times that I experienced this Holy Spirit, I was, I think, in my uh, late 20s. And in a, in a ministry, a, pr- a prayer situation, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of a time in grade seven um, where I felt like I was being held responsible for, for agitating a bully into sucker punching me. Now, can you imagine? But this is what happened. Like, I mean, this, this bully came along and he sucker punched me. And, and, and of course, we ended up in the in principal's office. And I just remember sitting there and the fingers were being pointed at me that I somehow agitated this bully into sucker punching me. You know, it's just like, I felt it was just totally unjust. And Holy Spirit uh, was reminding me of this incident. And, and, and as I was, it was there in my memory, Jesus came and he stood between me and my accusers. And he said, don't blame him, blame me. And I was like, what? No, 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 don't, you don't blame Jesus. It's not Jesus, Jesus is not your fault. It's their fault. And all of a sudden, Jesus was revealed to me. And I saw by him using something that I experienced, using that language for me, for the first time I saw a very clear picture of how Jesus takes upon himself my sin and my shame. And as I allow him to do that, it completely frees me up to forgive and to let go. Holy Spirit used a past experience to reveal Jesus to me, the person of who he is. You see, because Jesus, because Holy Spirit dwells within He knows the language that is best to communicate to you. It may not be the same for you as it is for me, but Holy Spirit knows because he dwells within. He's the one that determines the language to use. You know, I'd love to have uh, Jesus show up in my dream, you know, at night, or I'd love to go around the corner and all of a sudden Jesus is in front of me. I'm open to that. But I'm not the one that determines that. Holy Spirit dwells within and he's the one that knows the best language. He knows what we need. He knows what we're wrestling with at the time. He knows what it'll take to sort of unlock the door at that moment. And he will speak that language. Our part is to listen. Practice, uh, we... This is what we practice actually at, at Breath of Life on Thursdays. And, and um, 
our approach is, is listening prayers. Is, Jesus, we know you're here by your spirit. How do you want to reveal yourself? And we listen. And for some people who've never experienced that before, we, we just give a little bit of instruction and, 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 and that's, that's what we do. Our, our part is not to determine how the message is given, but to listen and also believe that Jesus will reveal himself in these ways. You see, if, if I don't believe that Jesus can reveal himself to me in a certain way, then I'm not going to be able to receive it that way. If I don't believe he speaks to me and I can listen to him when he does speak to me and, or try to speak to me, I won't recognize it as his voice. We need to, to believe. We need to understand that Jesus does want to reveal himself. I, just a crazy little verse in, in the chapter, a couple of chapters before John chapter 12. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but it's fascinated me every time, ever since I, I discovered it. And it, chapter 12, verse 28, it says, a voice spoke from heaven. Some heard the voice, some heard thunder, and some thought that it was an angel that spoke to Jesus. We have one voice from heaven and three different groups of people who hear it completely differently. One's thunder, makes no sense. One thinks an angel is whispering to Jesus and other people actually hear what the voice says. It's our faith and belief that Jesus wants to reveal himself and giving him permission to reveal himself in any way he chooses. I just want to listen. I want to position myself to listen. Jesus desires to reveal himself to each and every one of us. Are you with me? You with me this morning? Is your mind being blown? I, I, I just want to throw one more thing in the mix here before we, we bring this to a close. And we're going we're gonna to put something into practice here as, as we end too. Jesus uh, goes on to reveal one more incredible truth in, in verse 23 of, of John 14. All those who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and live with them. So all of a sudden, it's not just Jesus, but it's the Father as well. And these three words... Um, live with them are, are actually the exact same word that Jesus uses at the beginning of the chapter when he's talking about heaven and that he's going to go and prepare a place for you so that when we get to heaven, there'll be a place where we can dwell. In my Father's house are many rooms. And it's the exact same, same word. And the difference is, is that, is that, that's in the future. That's for heaven. But for now, God and Jesus want to come this way. The Father and Jesus want to come this way. They want to hop in your car and go on your life journey. They want to dwell in you. And they do it with their presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? 
in my Father's house. There's, there's one for each of us. There's a place, there's a future place where we belong in heaven. But in the meantime, God the Father and the big brother Jesus have committed to come our way. Live in my house, live in your house. Within us. Charles Spurgeon, I like what he says here. He says, a uh, great preacher from uh, a couple centuries ago, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. I'm not making this stuff up. I, these are red letters. <laughs> these are the words of Jesus. He's the one that said this. I don't understand it completely. I don't understand it completely. But all I know is that when Jesus says he wants to reveal himself to us, I believe that he does. And for many of us, this isn't a new idea. Um, you might be thinking, yeah, okay, you know, I, I gave Jesus my heart, I invited him in my life years ago. So, done deal. It's not a one time thing, it's an invitation. Jesus is saying, I want to reveal myself to you throughout your lifetime. I want to reveal myself to you every day because I live in you. God the Father, Jesus the Son, dwells in me because the person of the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in me. And often I forget that that's the case. And you know what? In my mind, I go back to living like an orphan. I go back to thinking like an orphan. I know there's some of us here this morning that struggle with an orphan mentality. Some maybe even as far as a bondage that locks you in with a view of yourself, of God and the world that, that just oppresses you and you see through the eyes of an orphan. And in this aspect, I see the orphan represents things like loneliness, fatherlessness, comfortlessness, bereavement, feelings of abandonment, not being lovable, unwanted, helplessness, hopelessness. Do you see how God's prom Jesus' promise of, of coming to us answers every one of those, fills every one of those voids? Jesus says, my presence in the person of the Holy Spirit is there. I will not leave you as orphans. You are not an orphan. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are not an orphan. Holy Spirit lives in you. The very presence of Jesus the Son, the very presence of God the Father dwells in you by the person of the Holy Spirit. You are not an orphan. Jesus says, this is the end game. This is, this is where I become a living word inside of you. That I, you and I live out of awareness of his presence. The presence of Jesus. 
We are created to be people of his presence. Yes, people of the word, but people of his presence. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus left. That's why it was better for him to go and Holy Spirit to come. You and I need to grow in our awareness of his presence in our lives, his presence in our lives. And he wants to be in your car. He wants to be in your vehicle with you throughout your journey in life. I was going to ask if, uh, who's ever coming, Pastor Darcy, to, to just lead us as we close here. I want to just take a few minutes, and I know we've got a business meeting coming up, but I just want to close with this song, go back to Behold the Lamb, and just that word, Behold. Behold. Jesus wants to be seen. I know some of us here this morning have seen him. And the call is to see him continually in every day of our lives. But maybe you're here this morning and you said, oh God, I've, I've never. Maybe you've never chosen to become a follower of Jesus. You can do that. You can surrender your life to him. You can say, Jesus, I want you as part of my life. And when you do, he's going to reveal himself to you. In all these different ways, whatever way, whatever language you speak, he knows that language and he's going to reveal himself to you. And for those of us who've done that in the past, and maybe it's been a long time, and we've got brought back into that orphan thinking, that orphan mindset, says, I want to reveal myself to you. I said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he comes to us in the presence, with his presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. He wants to reveal himself to you. We're going to just sing the course of this. And then I just, I, I want to invite you to stand as we sing.